When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Outkick 360 on the Outkick Network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Subscribe on YouTube. Share uh, the video on Facebook if you're watching that way. Give us a follow on Twitter and retweet the content at Outkick 360. Our next guest, John McClain, who is no stranger to our previous program, our previous station, and uh, we're thrilled to have him on the, the Outkick Network and Outkick 360 for the very first time. A lot to discuss with a man who has worked for the Houston Chronicle for 45 years, and he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame for his great work covering the league. John, hope you're doing well. I am, guys. Thank you. Congratulations on your new gig. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. What, what, what started as one accusation against Deshaun Watson now reads as 16 civil lawsuits filed. What has been the reaction in Houston in particular from the fan base, from the general public surrounding the organization and surrounding their star quarterback? Everybody's shocked, as you can imagine. It's almost numbing right now, considering there are 16. Watson's attorney, Rusty Harden, who's one of the top attorneys in the country, he's recognized for representing superstar professional athletes. He weighed in yesterday with uh, a statement and then an affidavit from Watson's marketing manager that that uh, one of the accusers tried to blackmail him. And then Tony Busby represents the 16 women and he says there will be more. Um, he has been incredibly outspoken and he's been prominent on, on uh, social media every day. So it's a huge controversy. And what it all means is the Texans were planning to trade Watson. They had multiple teams interested. They were going to try to trade him by the start of the draft. They were hoping to get three ones, two twos, and a starting defensive player, pass rusher, or a cornerback. But all that's out the window because there's no way any of this will be resolved by the start of the draft on April 29th. And Watson can be suspended. You know, he could be put on the commissioner's exempt list if this goes into regular season. But, you know, it's it's terrible for the women. They deserve to be heard. But Watson is innocent until proven guilty. The NFL is investigating. No one has to cooperate with them. They don't have subpoena power. But Busby said all of his clients would cooperate. And what needs to happen, Watson needs to get in there and make this go away. It cost him a lot of money but he's got to reach settlements with the women so before they talk to the NFL. And there's a good chance he'll be suspended anyway, no matter who he's playing with, because you don't have to be, um, you, you don't have to have criminal charges against you. You can have cases dropped, but there's the personal conduct penalty, and there's a part of that about bad judgment. And what we know he's guilty of is bad judgment. So I would expect at some point, next season that Watson would be serving a suspension. 
like this, John, seem to me typically go from criminal then to civil. So it feels a little bit backwards that it's all civil. We know Busby turned over some uh, evidence and, and descriptions of what is alleged to have happened to Houston authorities. What's your sense of the possibility of criminal charges? Uh, understanding is that Houston authorities haven't commented on what they received. Any sense of a timetable there? And, and what do you believe the likelihood is that criminal charges are going to be part of this? Well, first, I don't have a clue. Nobody has a clue. Tony Busby said he was going to do that. I don't think he's done it yet. He's hoping they'll bring criminal charges. He's hoping that the district attorney will impanel a grand jury. Just because he's hoping doesn't mean they will. If they don't, it doesn't mean they don't think he's guilty. It means they don't think they could prove their case. But in this instance, you have 16 women. They don't know each other. They're from different parts of the country. What began is one woman wanting $30,000 to, to make it go away, according to his attorney, Rusty Harden, has mushroomed into 16 with the threat of more by Tony Busby. We have two Houston heavyweight attorneys, Tony Busby and Rusty Harden, going at it for the court of public opinion. And right now, Busby is winning. But uh, it's not going to go away anytime soon. Uh, the NFL has to investigate. They still haven't finished with Antonio Brown's investigation from 2019. They took a year to investigate Ezekiel Elliott. No charges were filed, and they suspended him for six games. So uh, the NFL takes a long time for their wills of justice. They turn very slowly, just like the court of law. And it looks like what Busby wants is a settlement. That's what he wanted initially, according to Rusty Arden. And Busby said last night he's got other things to turn over that have not been disclosed yet to the police that we're waiting for the next uh, salvo to be fired from the, the accuser's side. How hard did you laugh at speculation that the Texans were somehow behind this information being leaked and behind these lawsuits Chad, that's when one people of the, first started saying that's that? That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. And because, number one, they're no longer going to get three ones, two twos, and a, and a starting player even if that's what they had asked for, nobody would give it. I think somebody would have, because you're talking about a quarterback in the prime of his career coming off the best season of his career in every statistic. And until this, he seemed like a pillar of the community with charity work and gave his money. He was involved in businesses. Everybody loved Deshaun Watson. He had endorsements. He had a lot of endorsement opportunities. And now, whew, I don't know. But the thing that the Texans were behind it, they're going to, sure, they were going to sabotage their best efforts to rebuild with a new franchise quarterback, multiple high draft choices for what? Watson still says if he's not trading, he's not playing for him. And so that makes no sense. I saw people trying to connect dots because Tony Busby and Cal McNair live on the same street. Well, it's the biggest street in Texas, and the homes are like a block long. And maybe Busby's edging the yard, Cal McNair's down on his knee, knees planting azaleas. And they say, hey, Cal, hey, Tony, let's meet on our big white medium here, median, and let's cook up a plan to make Deshaun Watson look bad. And 
they don't do their own yards and they don't plant their own flowers, I can guarantee you. And so the other thing is, somebody was trying to connect this and in 2014 when Johnny Mansell came out, Busby's an Aggie from Texas A&M, that he got a suite to the Browns games because he's going to fly and watch Mansell play every game. He got a lot of attention out of it, as most of the things Tony Busby does get attention. And so they said, okay, well, he put up billboards encouraging Mr. McNair to draft uh, Johnny Manziel. And so people are trying to say, well, see, you knew Cal McNair. That wasn't Cal McNair. That was Bob McNair, his late father. Cal McNair didn't live on the street he lives on now until late 2017 after his home was destroyed by Hurricane Harvey. So it is just, it's mind boggling how people are trying to make it a conspiracy theory that that the Texans would, would uh, just kill themselves to make Watson look bad, which is ridiculous. Obviously, innocent until proven guilty, all of this holds true. But when it's this many women and it's this modus operandi where he's going to uh, Instagram and DMing women to meet up with him, um, it seems like a bit of a habitual thing with, with Deshaun Watson, at least trying to contact masseuses this way. John, you've been in that city for so many years. You've covered this league for so many years. If something's going on, typically you hear about it or someone's saying something about it. Was there any inkling about this going on with Deshaun Watson from anyone you've talked to around that organization or around him? Well, no, but when it was one-on-one, nobody would know that. This was all Watson. It was all each masseuse. According to the lawsuits, nobody else was involved on Watson's side. This is something he did on his own. Now, he was importing them from Georgia and, and California, and there's no need because there's like a million masseuses and masseurs in Houston, and a lot of them were from Houston, but um, players do things on their own. Teams can't keep up with them once they leave their facility, and you don't hear as much as you used to about players because last year we couldn't be in the facility. We couldn't talk to players. Everything was on Zoom calls, and because they limit time with players so much and a lot of them don't come in the locker room to begin with. You don't get time to just sit around and BS with them and get to know them like you used to. And so I have no idea if new, if people knew it. They probably knew that Watson liked massages. Going back to the Oilers in 1980, I've had so many players tell me they spent their own money to bring in masseuses and masseurs to give them deep muscle massages during the week multiple times because it helped them uh, get over the soreness of a game and also helped them uh, get ready for the next game. And teams employ them, so you can get them from the team too, but most players I know get them privately. I've seen players say they've spent over $100,000 a year on uh, personal uh, people to help them recover from games and get ready for the next game, even though the NFL offers it. And it's almost like a part-time job staying healthy. So the fact that Watson had a lot of massages by a lot of people doesn't surprise me, but the accusations sure did. McLean from the Houston Chronicle with us on Outkick 360. John, have you heard from any Texans players in, in regards to coming out and saying anything about Watson? Uh, Will Fuller, former Texans, did his initial news conference with the Miami media on Zoom, and he spoke up for Watson. There's been a couple other players. But because players don't know what happened, 
That's like I have, I run a, you know, Texas Sports Nation, our sports website, a mailbag every Friday. Those things can be like 300 inches long because ordinarily they were complaining about the coaching and the playing in the front office. And now I've told them I'm not letting people say they know Watson is innocent or guilty because they don't. I've had a lot of former athletes reach out to me and say, oh, he's a nice kid. There's no way he did this. The Texans are trying to make him look bad. No player's ever going to sign there again. And I don't point out 31 have just signed here because they're going to come back and say, well, I mean, good players. And they'd be right about that for the most part. But uh, people are staying quiet because they want to see what happens on this. And even if he pays the settlements and it goes away, eventually he'll put it behind him and he'll play great for somebody. And it'll be like Ben Roethlisberger and Michael Vick and others. Ezekiel Elliott suspended six games. It'll still be out there. People will remember it, but uh, it won't be talked about. And that's why maybe a team will try to lowball them at some point and say, hey, we'll give you a first-round pick to take the problem off your hands. But I would imagine there would be a huge public outcry if a team did that. But teams make controversial moves all the time. You have that initial outcry and people go on and on like it's the end of the world. But then eventually they start playing and fans are fans and they're going to be cheering for the player no matter who it is, whether it's Antonio Brown or any of the other guys who've been suspended. Brown just while his he was suspended once, they still haven't concluded the investigation that's been going on over a year. And meanwhile, he won a Super Bowl ring. John, did you believe that the Texans were not going to trade Watson when they were not fielding calls? They said they were not accepting offers. I'm, I'm going back two weeks now. Or did you always believe that they would be forced into a trade based on Watson sitting out? Here's the way I looked at it, Jonathan. When it first came out the first week of January, right after we had talked to him on his season-ending Zoom call, I was shocked that it came out. Persons close to Watson said he wants to be traded. And I immediately tweeted, I got a better chance of being named the next head coach than he does of being traded. And then I learned about how determined he was to get out of here. And so I started thinking, okay, it'll go on for a while, but he never changed his stance according to sources close to Watson. Watson has never said anything. He's never tweeted anything other than three or four cryptic tweets, two involving rap lyrics that I still don't know what he meant. and. And things like that. And so for the last few weeks, I've been saying he's got to be traded. The more I heard that to what teams were interested in trading for him, I said, they've got to do it. What would be the point of him missing the offseason, missing most of the season, losing millions of dollars? And the only way he would come back is right before the trading deadline, if they're going to trade him in October or right in December. So his contract of $10.5 million didn't toll to 2022. When he's supposed to make 35 million when that new 156 million extension kicks in. So he would have reported at some point. But why do you want to force a guy who's miserable and doesn't want to be there to come back and play out of for financial reasons? And so I thought they're going to trade him. And after he met with David Cully, the new coach, three weeks ago, and he reiterated and re-emphasized he would not play here. He would hold out. He's willing to lose millions to, to get his way they determined they were going to trade him, but they had to get through free agency before they started listening to these offers from multiple teams. And if you have six teams bidding for a guy 
problem is, I mean, it's pretty obvious you're going to get a damn good deal for him. And now most of those teams are going to have quarterbacks that are going to get them in this draft. And so there won't be nearly the interest in teams willing to sacrifice, say, three ones, two twos, and a defensive player as there would be uh, going into the draft first day is April 29th. So the only way I see him coming back now is if he has to pay so many millions in settlements, he needs the money. And he might come back first first game of the regular season when they start to get paid weekly and then develop some kind of mysterious injury that won't allow him to play just uh, to be on the roster and get paid. So this is there's a lot of moving parts here. All of them are bad right now. And uh, the Texans are in a predicament. Watson obviously has got a predicament, and I don't see it being worked out anytime soon. This offseason for the Houston Texans. On the field, what's the direction of the organization, John? You mentioned Cully as the new head coach, Casario as their general manager, and Terod Taylor, it would appear, would be their quarterback in September. A lot of one- and two-year contracts this offseason across that roster and free agency. What do you make of their immediate plan, as bad as it might be? I wrote a column for uh, yesterday. Actually, it's in the Chronicle today and on our sports website, Texas Sports Nation, about barring injury to Rod Taylor, to Rod, not Tyrod. Rod Taylor would be the starter. His last two teams, Cleveland and the Los Angeles Chargers, he was supposed to be the starter, and he got hurt early in the season and was replaced by Baker Mayfield and Justin Herbert. Now, I thought when they signed Taylor, I said immediately, Texas is going to get a franchise quarterback. That's what happens when you get him. But I don't believe that anymore. And when he started three seasons for Buffalo, he did really well. He had a winning record, helped him go to the playoffs. In 2017, David Culley was his quarterback coach. And the reason they wanted him here is Culley coached him then. Nick Casario was the personnel director at New England, watched him play six games in those three seasons against the Patriots. And their new quarterback coach, Pep Hamilton, was his quarterback coach last year. And if you watch Hard Knocks last year, you saw how much Anthony Lynn and the coaches liked Taylor and respected him. And then, of course, they said he was the starter going into the season. He started one game and the rest is Chargers history. Uh, Nick Casario has made 31. He has made, let's see, with trades and free agent signings, he has made 31 moves counting players on his roster. He's now made more than 40. And I've never seen a team do that, has so many free agents. 26 are signed to one-year deals. The only one signed to more than a two-year deal was a punter. So a lot of these guys won't be on 53-man roster. A lot of them won't be around this time next year. But some of them may have played well enough to get a new contract when the cap goes up. But what they have done is they've had a lot of competition. I could see them having 10 or 11 new starters. Not a lot on offense, but a bunch on defense. And uh, But I still think they would compete for the first pick in the draft. And as I've told people here, if you're going to be bad, be all the way bad. The last two times they needed a quarterback, and they had the first pick in 06. They took Mario Williams. And, uh, and then in 2014, they took Jadavion Clowney. And right now, next year, there's no Trevor Lawrence that we all see as sure to be first overall pick. That's why it was important that they get that franchise quarterback this year. But I don't see them being able to do that because of Watson's uh, situation with the lawsuit. 
wound down, John, you'd been kind of uh, mystified. I don't know if that's quite the right word at all. The attention Jack Easterby was getting from national media and, and the like. Um, what kind of presence does he have in that front office now? Um, is is he a, a, a bigger force now? And, and do you think he's uh, a big issue, a, a medium issue, or, or not an issue there as, as things go forward with a new GM and a new coach? First of all, Jack used to be came here in 2019 when uh, from New England, and he was uh, vice president of player development. Nobody really knew what that role was. But he got in good with the McNair family that owns the team, Bill O'Brien, who was the coach. Two months later, the GM, Brian Gain, was fired. Even though Bill O'Brien didn't have the title of GM then, he had final say over personnel. Next year, he got the title of GM. He worked closely with Easterby. Easterby was named executive vice president of football operations. And so he had his hands in everything, but he didn't have the authority to make a personnel decision. As all VP of football operations do, they make suggestions just like the personnel staff, coaching staff, scouting staff, and that's what he does. Now, people thought when O'Brien was fired, Easterby should be fired too. This is the first week that I can remember that talk shows or one of the Chronicle columnists has not called for Easterby to be fired. He gets ripped constantly here. And the reason is every bad decision that was equated with Bill O'Brien was equated with Jack Easterby because O'Brien used to say, we make these decisions jointly, even though everybody knew, nobody told Bill O'Brien what to do. And just like Nick Casario was hired from New England, this is the third time the Texans had tried to hire him. They finally got him. He admitted to these friends with Easterby. You know, they worked together six years in New England and they knew each other personally, but it's in his contract that he has final say over personnel. And Jamie Roots, the team president, left because he didn't like Easterby getting involved in things on the business side, which was his responsibility since 2002 when they were formulated. And then uh, others have left, but uh, the McNair family, they love Easterby. They believe in him. They think he knows how to win a Super Bowl. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter how many people demand that he be, he be fired. It's not going to happen. So he's here, and the good thing is he doesn't have final say on any personnel because, as Bill Belichick told us last year, Jack's not a personnel man. What did you make of Urban Meyer, of all people, being the one to complain about not being able to meet face-to-face -face with free agents because he can't get a good judge of their character when he can't meet them face-to-face? Well, he sounded like a college recruiter, and he was one of the best in the country everywhere he's been, most recently Ohio State, of course. And now they're having to – at first they were signing them sight unseen. Now you can meet with them. But the initial wave is over, and the Jaguars signed quite a few of them. And I think he was just showing at this point that he was naive about the inner workings of the NFL. But the fact he's going to have Trevor Lawrence is going to make him happy for a long time. I've proposed here quite a few times that uh, Nick Casario call Urban Meyer and tell him, say, hey, you retired twice because of health reasons. So it means there's the reason you're not going to be there for the long haul. So instead of watching Trevor Lawrence develop, how would you like to have Deshaun Watson? Well, probably, I'm guessing if that happened, Watson would invoke that no trade clause 
because I don't see him wanting to go to the Jaguars. Win the first day of free agent spending, do not win the Super Bowl, generally speaking. Uh, New England has not been involved in, in early free agent spending to any large degree. They usually sit back and laugh at those teams. This year, complete turnabout. Uh, they didn't have good draft classes, do big contracts. Uh, their books cleared. They had a lot of money, and they were the most active team out of the gate. Uh, you hot or cold on that? You think they, they're going to build a winner out of what they got? Or are they going to end up like most teams that go crazy at the beginning of free agency? Not unless they get a quarterback. You know, they've won March. In the past, they were only concerned with January and the first weekend and first Sunday in February. But in this case, everybody loves it when their team spends a lot of money in free agency. It's the only time people in Jacksonville and fans of the Jets were able to get fired up was the offseason. Just like there was a stretch here with the Oilers when they went six years in a row with losing records and the highlight of the year was the draft. And we could be headed that way next year with the Texans, not this year because they don't have their first and second round picks again. And so I think it'll, it depends. I don't think they're through with quarterback. I think Bill Belichick wants to get one in the draft, whether he trades up to get one of the top five, or he thinks he's going to get somebody in the second round like he did with Jimmy Garoppolo for some reason, people still think he's going to end up with Garoppolo. And I'm thinking, so what would Kyle Shanahan do in San Francisco for a quarterback? Maybe Shanahan at 12 gets Mac Jones or trades up to get somebody, and then Garoppolo could end up back in New England. But I'm, I'm happy for the fans of teams that spend a lot in free agency and the media because it gives us a lot to write and talk about. But ultimately, it is proven to be a curse and maybe the Patriots will break first. Follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. We like to throw in a few extra underscores just for fun uh, because you can never get enough in John's Twitter handle. Uh, John, we can't get enough of you on the show. Thank you for being on again. Uh, we're, we're thrilled to have you back, and let's do this again soon. Terrific as usual. 